Guardian Unlimited. Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton helped McLaren conquer Monaco and score their second 1-2 of the season. Alonso and Hamilton now share the lead of the World Championship. Felipe Massa finishes a distant third for Ferrari. Hello there, this is Morris Hamilton for Formula One on Guardian Unlimited. I'm joined here in the Monaco paddock as usual by Ian Phillips, the Director of Business Affairs at Spiker. Now Ian, let's cut to the chase straight away here on this because there's a bit of hanky-panky going on it would seem in this race because Fernando Alonso, as far as we can see, leads from start to finish, Lewis Hamilton finishes second, gives him chase, doesn't get close enough to him to challenge and that would appear to be the end of it. But if you listen to Lewis Hamilton talking about the strategy that he was on, and by that I mean when he did qualifying yesterday he had five laps more of fuel on board, therefore the car was heavier, therefore he did well actually to get onto the second row. He was held up, he almost equaled Alonso's time in qualifying. But where it really comes into play was he was therefore hoping to run longer in the race by another five laps, but in fact McLaren brought him in after just three more laps following Alonso's stop, so he couldn't really take advantage of those clearer laps when the car was empty. And that really blunted his challenge, if you like. He doesn't appear best pleased about it. It would look as if McLaren are almost trying to uh, play into Alonso's hand and keep him sweet. What's your take on all of this? Well, I'm sure that uh, Lewis is going to be asking some pretty serious questions. I thought his qualifying performance yesterday was pretty sensational because you could tell with his body language at the press conference afterwards that this is going to be my race because I know how much fuel I've, I've got on board. I mean, he didn't tell anybody, but you could tell the guy was so excited and it was going to work out for him. And sure enough, at, at, at the start of the race, uh, Alonso pulled away as if he was running, running light, but just as he made his first stop, Lewis did the classic thing like Michael Schumacher used to do, fastest laps, fastest laps. He really put the hammer down. And I thought, he's got this, this is, this is in the bag. And I was very surprised, I must admit, when he came in only three seconds, three laps, sorry, after uh, Alonso had stopped. Uh, obviously, I didn't know that um, five laps was, was the target. But had he had those five laps, then he would have been in the lead and he would have won the Monaco Grand Prix. I'm not surprised he's uh, disappointed and I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that <laughs> McLaren motorhome right now saying, listen, you guys, what was going on? My strategy was and I should have been a winner here. That's right. And another way to look at it, perhaps, is uh, if he had won, then Fernando Alonso, the twice world champion in the other McLaren, would have been deeply unhappy, one suspects, after what happened in Spain two weeks ago. Yes, I suppose so. Um, but let's give some credit to Alonso. I thought he actually drove a pretty good race. Uh, well, a very good race. And in fact, both McLarens did. The whole McLaren team, what, what I find quite extraordinary, two weeks ago, we were reflecting on the race in Barcelona and Ferrari had trounced them, really, in terms of lap time. They were six-tenths of a second per lap in the race quicker. The McLarens were really actually nowhere at all. But this weekend, McLaren were 
essentially a second a lap faster in the race. There were 60 seconds in front of the third place Ferrari at, at, at the end, and they'd lapped everybody up to uh, fourth place. You know, it was an extraordinary turnaround of performance. What they've done, whether it was just something special here for, for Monaco, we shall only find out in Canada in a couple of weeks' time. But I have to say, and also congratulations to McLaren, because it was their 150th victory, and I think they did it in some style. Indeed, McLaren have won this Grand Prix more than any other team, so this was win number 15, and, and thoroughly well-deserved, as you rightly say. And, and indeed, it is, it is proper that we should pay respect to what Alonso did, because he didn't put a foot wrong. Uh, he was under pressure from Lewis Hamilton towards the end, and as Lewis Hamilton himself admitted, uh, I was told to take it easy, he said, but I never give up. I pushed hard. But when you're following a twice-world champion, they generally don't make mistakes, and he didn't make any. So I think you know credit, praise where it is due there. A terrific all-round victory as you say by McLaren at the most glamorous race in the season. So Felipe Massa finishes third for Ferrari. And in fact, of course, he's, he's Ferrari's sole representative at the front of the field because uh, Kimi Raikkonen made a right hash of qualifying, clipped the barrier, had to start from 16th place in the grid. Front. Of course, you're never going to do any good from there. But meanwhile, Massa at the front for the first 15 laps or so in, he was about a couple of seconds behind the McLarens, hanging on, I thought, and maybe he might be able to do something towards the end. But then, suddenly, the gap just got bigger and bigger and bigger. He had terrible trouble, he says, Massa says, with traffic. I'm afraid Britain's Anthony Davidson was one culprit. Uh, he had to take a drive-through penalty for, for, for that. And Jarno truly was another. He said about 10 laps cost him uh, at least a second a lap, and that would account for it. But really, as you were saying before, Ferrari not really on the pace. Massa just made the best of, of what he could do. Yes, I, I, I think he did. I mean, he's he's got to try and build a championship. I mean, he's he's there, thereabouts. He's won a couple of races, but Ferrari were off the pace. Third was probably the best he was ever going to do. And you, once you get in the traffic here, and it, it's difficult on, on both sides, to be honest. The, the slow guys know they've got to move over, but there's only a couple of places where you can really do it. And the, the slow guy will lose five seconds. Um, but they started lapping people before they even got to the got to the first pit stops and you know it, it was horrendous and I think you're right he saw when the gap got to about 15 seconds or something like that hang on let's just conserve the machinery the races the engine's got another race to do because we're halfway through the third cycle being the fifth race because they've got to do two races and they can cook here when you're running around in uh, traffic close to people the temperatures are high and this that and the other so I'm sure they took a strategic decision we're very happy with third place. We're not really on the pace here. Bring it home there. We're still, certainly from a driver's championship point of view, still uh, still in there. So just, just bring it home safely. Don't get into any trouble, which he did in pretty good style, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I, he's only five points behind the McLarens. And I mean, that's nothing at this stage of the season with five races down. So as you say, he's building the championship, going to go to North America now for the next two and see what occurs there. It's as if... He looked happy to be on the podium because I think he felt, well, actually, this is as good as it's going to get. Yes, absolutely right. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, they knew right from uh, the first session on Thursday morning that we're not in the game here. I mean, the way Hamilton in particular got out onto the circuit in the first practice session on, on Thursday was was just extraordinary. And the, the lap times that, that he was doing, and Alonso was almost... I, 
cheating is the wrong word, but like he went and put on a, a soft set of tyres long before anybody else did, just to get in front of his teammate. You know, so McLaren had it buttoned up from the moment they got here. And, you know, I think Ferrari, okay, let's, let's play safe. Raikkonen let him down, let him down really badly with his mistake in, in qualifying. And Massa saved the day for them, really. Now, finishing what I think is fair to say in a surprise fourth was Giancarlo Fisichella in a Renault. Now, that's no reflection on Giancarlo. I think it's more a reflection on the team and what we've seen so far this year. But he qualified fourth, fantastic lap from him. And then he did a really good job on the race. He didn't falter at all. A bit of pressure at times from the uh, BMWs behind, but he really kept it together. Uh, impressed by that? Yeah, I was, actually. Uh, I have to say, it is Fisichella's type of circuit. He's a real, got, a, got a real light touch when, it, when he's on form, when he, when he wants to be. And that's kind of what you need around Monaco. Precision, don't, don't be wrestling too seriously with, with the car, just take it lightly. And we all know that the Renault currently is uh, not the competitive machine that uh, we've been used to. I, to be honest, he's under a bit of pressure in, in the team. I, I, know, I know he is, I don't think he's done a very good job up until now. His head's dropped a bit, which it which tends to do. And he's pushing to get, a, to get a new contract, and that's going to be sorted out in the next six weeks or so. He needed to turn in a good performance, and, and he did. I think he, you know, he showed that he's probably done 10 Monaco Grand Prix by now. And, um, yeah, he, he just did a solid, a solid job, but a lot better than he's done previously this year. Do you think, Ian, that he was helped a little bit by Nick Heidfeld, who was uh, seventh on the grid, making a super start, getting in just behind him and then holding everybody else up? Because the BMW was woeful in the first stage of the race. He was running. He was one of only three drivers to run the softer choice of tyre at that point, and it didn't seem to work, did it? No, the soft tyre obviously wasn't a good choice at all. And as you say, I, I think only three people did, and the other two filled the last row of the grid, being uh, Christian Alves and one of our spikers and Ralph Schumacher. It, w it wasn't a good tyre. And as you say, Heidfeld did get a good start. He demoted Nico Rosberg, who'd, who'd had a, a very good qualifying. As it turned out, he'd run very light because I think he was the, he was the first man to first man to stop. Um, and I think if Rosberg had been chasing Fisichella, that would have been pretty entertaining for the first 15 laps or so. But you, you're right, the the pace of of Heidfeld downwards. Well, actually, Adrian Sutil and Alcar was running. I think seven. 16th, 17th, and he was doing the same lap times as the BMWs. <laughs> it was as bad as that. It, it was as bad, it really was as bad as that. Heidfeld doesn't like Monaco, the three circuits he doesn't like is Monaco, Silverstone, and Monza, and I know that because he drove for Jordan and his manager told me after we'd done the contract, he said, Listen, you might as well forget these three circuits. I think that is entirely unacceptable. He needs to go to a brain surgeon and get that eradicated from, from the system. And he didn't. He wasn't impressive at all, to be honest. His teammate Robert uh, Kubica, on the other hand, who was a Monaco debutant in, uh, in Formula One, I thought did a very good job. Mm, because he finished fifth ahead of Nick Heidfeld, so that was the BMW's fifth and sixth. So we had the BMW's fifth and sixth, Kubica and Heidfeld. Alex Wurtz finished seventh ahead uh, of Nico Rosberg. Wurtz having really a fairly unspectacular practice in qualifying, but uh, like Kubica, he had just the one stop. Ian, that seemed to be the strategy today. Two stops in the midfield bunch where it's so close. Didn't really work. 
No, absolutely didn't. I think part of it was the soft tyre was probably a bit too soft. The hard tyre was actually a very, very good tyre. You could you could almost do a whole a whole race on it if you could put the fuel in it. And you always think that there's going to be a safety car period uh, during a Monaco Grand Prix. Somebody is going to shunt at some stage or another, and it's going to take a bit of an effort to clean the track up and so on. And that's, to be honest, what we we're all gambling on. And they've got too efficient here in in Monaco at cleaning the place up. But actually, there were only two shunts. There was uh, Tonio Liuzzi on on lap one and Adrian Sutil in in our car just after the second stop. And that's all all that there was, which I don't know what's happened. Perhaps it's become too safe, too easy, Morris. Perhaps we've got to spice it up a little bit. Well, I tell you what it might be, Ian, this is interesting. Lewis Hamilton was telling us uh, yesterday that uh, he'd been watching some onboard film from earlier races way back to the days of Ayrton Senna and he was remarking about the fact that Senna's right hand was hardly ever on the wheel because he was changing gear with the right hand and of course now they're sitting both hands on the wheel they just flick the paddles and all they've got to do is all right this is an oversimplification but steer and brake but that probably contributes a lot to it yeah absolutely I mean I I honestly think that a return to manual gear shift would be fantastic the the problem about it was that you were able to over rev the engine in in those days it wasn't nothing was electronically controlled and if you missed a gear shift remember there was something like 700 gear shifts a lap or something some horrendous amount anyway in in those days and if if you missed one not only did you lose pace but inevitably you'd over rev the engine which would then blow up at some stage you know we can all remember having four finishes here and barely enough people to fill the points positions and you know what did we have today i think we had four retirements three or four retirements which wasn't a monaco although i i have to say morris i still get excited i first came in 69 i still get excited by seeing people like Alonso, Hamilton, Massa fleeing those cars around the swimming pool area. When you, when you walk around it like like we have and just see how fast they are going, it's an extraordinary spectacle. And I have to say, it still turns me on. Finishing ninth behind Kimi Raikkonen in the uh, Ferrari, the second Ferrari, very much the second Ferrari this weekend, one has to say, uh, was Scott Speed. A really good result for the American driver in the Toro Rosso because he'd had very troubled practice, not least of his problems being that uh, during qualifying yesterday, during the critical phase when he wanted to get in, get another set of tyres on, get out and get a quick lap in, he was called into the scrutineering bay where the brakes promptly caught fire because they do overheat here a lot. And that really consigned him to the back half of the grid but he did very well it just shows that consistency does pay one stop through to ninth place yeah I mean Scott Speed is a bit as maligned as, as, as a driver and actually most of the time probably right he's a, he's a bit of a loony sort of character but what a, what a good place to actually show that you can do a solid job and I understand that he needed to because uh, his place is in, in some sort of jeopardy but I thought I thought actually he, he did a good job and he upheld the honour for Red Bull, Toro Rosso, whatever you want to call it the Adrian Newey design package that's used by too many teams in, uh, in <laughs> Formula 1 currently but uh, no he, he did a good job because Mark Webber had retired one of the the sister cars the the Red Bull car with transmission troubles and to be honest I don't think they expected any of their cars to to finish around here so I think Speed actually actually did a very good job Webber succumbed as expected to a gearbox problem David Coulthard just didn't feature at a place that I really thought that he he would do 
That's right, because he finished third here last year and used all his experience, as we expected, in, in the Red Bull. In fact, uh, David was partly responsible for the demise of the other Toro Rosso because uh, going into the first corner, he hit the back of Liuzzi's car, broke the rear diffuser. Liuzzi gets to Massonet, the very fast 90-degree left-hander into Casino Square. Suddenly he finds he's got no grip at the rear and off he goes into the barrier. So that accounted for that. Mark Webber, as you say, was transmission trouble. He actually stopped in the end, he said, because the rear was locking up too much and he just said, I can't drive this anymore and got out. Very disappointed indeed because, of course, Mark had qualified an excellent sixth on the grid here. So that was out of the window straight away. Ian, looking at the rest of the finishing order, as you say, a list that really is quite long for Monte Carlo, uh, 18 cars running at the finish. You were talking about the lack of finishers in the old days. I remember the first race I saw was 1968, and five cars barely struggled to get across the line. But as I say, here, 18 running at the finish. Now, at the bottom reaches of this uh, finishing list, we've got the uh, Hondas of Rubens Barrichello, 10th and 11th. They started 9th and 10th in the grid. I think that has to be classified as a bit disappointing, even by their uh, fairly dismal standards this year. Yeah, they, their season has been disastrous. Their qualifying was probably the best one that they, they've had this this year. And I know that they feel that they've made some progress in the last couple of tests that we've had, but the, the race pace was just dismal. They were never there at all. The only comfort that they, they're going to take is that their fellow Japanese factory-backed team, that one from Toyota, was just probably their, their worst ever since since they arrived in, in Formula 1. Ralph Schumacher qualified a solid last. Jarno truly wasn't really much better, I think. Uh, you know, he, he was in, in the high teams. He made an abysmal start. And they ran for... A, most of the the race with Adrian Sutil in the spiker actually stuck be between them and, and harrying them. And Ralph wasn't putting him under any pressure, but he was putting Yano under some pressure till till Adrian crashed. But uh, I mean that was the shocking. Uh, I'm at a loss to understand why these guys can't take some kind of brutal decision. You can't be performing on a world stage like that as great car companies as they are, this is motor racing, they've got to get some people in there that know what they're doing and get them turned around pretty quick. And after all, they've got two drivers who've won here, you know, and they know how to get their way around here. Certainly, Ralph's been on pole and Jarno truly won the Grand Prix here, so the cars just clearly aren't working. And the, uh, but then one has to say, those drivers, their heads have dropped as well, haven't they? Yes, I mean, they, they, there's, I, I think I can identify half a dozen drivers that started today's race that I actually don't think will will finish the season. I think some of them, I, I, I don't know what's going on, if they're getting too much money, they're too comfortable, but people aren't putting in a solid day's work these days. And things are so tight in the Constructors' Championship. The Constructors' Championship is a thing that earns the teams quite a lot of quite a lot of money at uh, at the end of the year and you can't afford to have one one driver that only turns up on saturday for qualifying and, and is hopeless in the race and the other one who comes on five sundays a year which is ralph well to be honest ralph hasn't been to a race this this year at all um, I, I don't know i don't know when he's going to turn up but i suspect he might be told to stay at home before he decides to turn up <laughs> Thank you. 
Skimming through then the, the rest of the finishing order, uh, Nico Rosberg was 12th. Haki Kovalainen, who's really was hobbled from the start because he got caught behind David Coulthard in qualifying yesterday, a controversial incident which had David Coulthard uh, two places deducted from his grid position, so Coulthard then finally finished 14th. Truly and Schumacher, as Ian has said, 15th and 16th for Toyota. Takuma Sato and Anthony Davidson, disappointing really for Super Aguri. They made a complete mess of uh, qualifying yesterday, didn't get their guys out uh, in time to do one more lap on fresh tyres at the end of the first qualifying sector. And then Davidson, as we said, had that drive-through lap for holding up Lewis Hamilton uh, during the race. Christian Albers was uh, a non-finisher. What was the problem, in? Drive shaft failure. Probably as a result of uh, consistent contact with the barrier somewhere. <laughs> So there we are, that's the, the final result of the Monaco Grand Prix. A fantastic performance at the front by McLaren. Two drivers, Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton, absolutely on it all the way through. A thrill to watch. Whether Lewis Hamilton is as thrilled as Fernando Alonso right now is hard to say. He didn't appear to be at the press conference. But Fernando Alonso said that this has been the nicest victory of the 17 he's scored so far. And if McLaren kind of helped him a little bit on the way to that, then no wonder he feels like that. But nonetheless, it was a flawless performance performance by the twice world champion and we look forward to battle being resumed in two weeks time that'll be the canadian grand prix in montreal please join us after that one for another formula one show on guardian unlimited when i'll be joined by ian phillips but until then keep the revs up drive safely this is morris hamilton from monaco saying cheerio guardian unlimited